Easter is here and the Easter baskets are out. Someone got some great deals at Marshall's. There's gourmet chocolate, plush toys, bunny ears, bubbles. How are you feeling, Bobby? <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices. Every, Every day, day at, at Marshall's. Marshall's. The General Insurance presents Ordering a Sandwich with Shaq and Hall of Fame announcer Michael Buffer. I'm going to have roast beef. What do you want, Michael? Let's get ready for pastrami on rye. Turns out, Michael Buffer talks like that all the time. And it turns out, the General is a quality insurance company that's been saving people money for nearly 60 years. Spicy Dijon mustard. For a great low rate and nearly 60 years of quality coverage, make the right call and go with the General. The General Auto Insurance Services, Inc. Insurance Agency, Nashville, Tennessee. Some restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Ebner and Dale Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by UFC Fit to Mecca, Golden Road Brewery, Charger Bolt Family, Tick Pick, and Bet Online. Dan Wolkenstein, it has it's been longer than a minute, sir. <laughs> it's been damn near a month since we've done one of these. Uh, some vacations, some mm-hmm. big time life events have kind of occupied our time over the last couple of weeks but uh needless to say while we were out on our on our endeavors what has happened in charter's world and again now we're only three and a half weeks away from the draft we have a lot of stuff to go over so dan and i really thought you know the best way to kind of come back into this get back in the groove of things was you know we wanted to open it up because everybody's got a lot of thoughts as it relates to chargers football here dan and i uh on our own have a lot of thoughts. And again, with free agency kind of in the rear view mirror now, a lot of things as far as the draft strategy has really, has really shifted. So uh, we're happy to be back. Dan, how was your vacation, sir? Wow. Um, Jake, I feel like it has been the proverbial 84 years. Like 84 the woman on Titanic. years. Um, 84 years. Folks who have not seen us in a bit, uh, welcome to the club. Uh, it's probably been, what, I think you said three or four weeks since we've done a show. Um, welcome back. Chargers Unleashed is here. Uh, this episode is dedicated to everyone who is here with us live. The goal of this is to get all of the questions and topics that folks have been asking us into conversation as we go. So throw them into the chats, wherever you are on here, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, you name it. Um, again, live show. This is all about you. Let's have some fun. Be sure to comment as much as you can. Um, Jake, to answer your question, I am doing great. Uh, for a quick second, I know folks don't really care about us in our personal lives. They don't care. Um, but for a good reason, we have been gone. Let's put it that way. I have been in a different state. Uh, I've been in a few different states. So I've had gone to weddings. I've gone on vacations. Uh, you have been in different states. You've been on vacations. Long story short, we are back. You've been out of the country. 
been out of the country. Not yes. a different state, congrats, out of the country. And congrats to you, my friend. Congrats to you. It is April 4th. We've made it through all the stupid freaking April Fool's jokes. And we are here to talk all things Chargers football. Free agency, NFL draft, roster updates, you name it. As well as the questions that you guys have. Again, leave the questions in the comments and we will get through them as we can. So Jake, for those who have been living under a rock for the last three or four days, three or four weeks, if you will, you can go back as far as you want. Uh, There's been some things happening, both in roster makeup, guys who have been on the team who are now no longer on the team, guys who have been added to the team, draft pick updates. Where do we even begin about what the hell should Chargers fans be feeling right now? I mean, I think there's a little bit of, you know, breaking news just a couple hours ago that a lot of people are talking about right now, Dan, that I think it is pertinent to address as specifically as it relates to the draft. And that's the Saints coming up with a nice little trade package and pick swap that has changed the, as if the order around the Chargers <laughs> around that area wasn't weird enough already with Philadelphia having three first round picks. Now the Saints have essentially come up. And if I remember the package correctly, Dan, because I'm not looking at it, but correct me if I'm wrong. So Philly now has, with their trade with the Saints, they now have 15 and 19, if I'm correct Mm -hmm. on that. And now the Saints get 16 and 18. Philly has has 15 and 18. Saints have 16, 19. So the Chargers is that little island right in the middle of all that crap that's right there. And so now everybody's talking about this. You've heard Dan Orlovsky talk about it. You've heard Daniel Jeremiah talk about it. And everybody's thinking, why was it that the Saints traded a lot of draft capital? Again, a first-round pick next year in 2023, a second-round pick in 2024, just to leapfrog just and just to get additional draft capital, just to go up one spot, really, ahead of the Chargers at 17. So I've heard DJ's reasonings for this, and I've heard Dan Orlovsky's reason for this, and a lot of people have been talking about this over the last couple hours. And there's two ways you can look at it. Dan, you and I had this conversation off the off the air, uh, just saying, like, why was it they only moved there, just ahead of the Chargers? Was there something that they were targeting? A lot of people have been coming up on Twitter saying, oh, they're definitely going for offensive line. People have been saying, hey, those of you that are thinking that Charles Cross is going to be there at 17, you may want to throw that out the window again for the Saints. They lost her on Armstead to the to the Miami Dolphins in free agency, so they're left, they have a gaping left hole at their uh, left tackle spot as it stands right now. So they're in dire need of one. Other people like Daniel Jeremiah has been talking about, he says you don't mortgage that type of pick scenario for uncertainty, for, unse- for uncertainty, because whoever the Saints may be targeting, they may not even be there by the time that they use their first first round pick. At, at 16. So Daniel Jeremiah is of the belief that the Saints could be packaging that up to now even move forward or even higher up in the draft into the top 10 to possibly go get a quarterback. But Dan, this goes into a lot of different things here. Let's say it's let's say it's the former. Let's just say if the Saints stand pat. To me, I still think if they keep their if they keep their picks at 16 and 18, I think it's offensive lineman and wide receiver for them. 
And I've heard a lot of people Again, talking Saint, about the sorry, Saints are 16 and 19. Sorry, 16 and 19. Excuse me. A lot of people have been talking about the possibility, especially because there's been a lot of noise around Charles Cross as of late. And with the Chargers fortifying a lot of spots in free agency that you still need a right tackle. Again, Brian Bulaga is gone. Storm Norton obviously isn't the answer. I don't believe that Trey Pipkins is going to be that answer. I think as a serviceable backup and developmental player, that's pretty much his ceiling. But a lot of people would say, okay, Charles Cross is now the guy that we want to center on at 17. And now with the Saints jumping this, <laughs> I think it's, I don't think that the Chargers are going to have their pick of the litter when it comes to the offensive linemen in general. The top three are going to be off the board. People are very indifferent about Trevor Penny. Um, what do you think, Dan? What do you, what do you think when you kind of dissect this? Oh man. So there's a lot to dissect here. Um, so first question slash topic, Jake already alluded to it. Everything revolving around the trade we saw today between the saints and the Eagles Joker hope calls or comes in with a comment. Jake, the Saints, the saints jumped us now. Um, what does that mean? At first glance, when I saw that in my eyes, it seemed as though Saints need to get a quarterback. And you don't trade up like this unless you get a quarterback. And the quarterback class, we've all talked about it. It's not worth like the one overall pick. I'd argue it's not worth the top 10 pick, but I digress. There are still quarterback needy teams. And from a Chargers perspective, you're hoping that as many quarterback needy teams can draft a quarterback as possible before the Chargers pick at 17 or earlier, later, whatever. Saints don't have a quarterback, not named Taysom Hill, who apparently now is doing more reps at tight end. And Jameis Winston, I believe, is still their guy, or at least the plan to be their guy. Uh, do you think that Jameis Winston is the future for the Saints? I, I don't think so. And if you put your, put your Saints hat on, you just got rid of Armstead. So you have a huge need at tackle. They could go for a tackle. But is this the year that you trade up that much to go for a tackle? Like you said, there's so much uncertainty. But what I do think that is something that comes into play now is the Chargers are in a very unique position now. Uh, Joker hope. The Chargers are now sitting right in between a sandwich of two teams, each having two picks before and after this team. The Chargers. So think about if you're another team trying to get out ahead of whether it's the Chargers, the Saints, the Eagles, or go back in the draft. Look at teams like the Cowboys. Look at teams like the Packers. Look at teams like the, like the, you could do the Steelers. Look at teams like the, who's the, the Raiders. I mean, who, whoever it is, there are teams that the Chargers now in a position where they can, Trade down, which I know, Jake, this is like your favorite pipe dream scenario. Give it to me. The, char the Chargers are in a prime position where they have a lot of capital now to where they can say, look, we're at a position where you can draft now at 17 before other teams, at least two of them, can pick for a second time. And I think that holds water, especially for teams who know that those teams need multiple positions. Like the Saints and the Eagles both could go wide receiver if they wanted to. They both could go offensive line if they wanted to. So if you're another team trying to move up to beat those guys to the clock, 
I think it's a good spot. So I think in short, uh, this is a very fluid situation. And I guarantee you between now and when the Chargers or when someone picks at 17, there will be another trade before or at 17. So I have the I have the over under again. We haven't seen that many the last couple of years. I, I think the the max we saw last year, I may be wrong, but if I remember correctly, it was two and maybe even the year before. It wasn't as trade heavy as you thought. I have the over under at four trades this year. I I think there there could be a lot of movement based on you have a number of teams with multiple picks in the first round, whether they're moving back, whether they're moving up. I think that there could be a lot of movement in this uh, in this draft. And for me, yes, I'll toot my own horn. I hope that the Chargers are one of the teams that trades down to, to reacquire the second round pick that they gave up uh, to get good to go get Khalil Mack. But um, no, Dan, I mean, I, I'm with you there. It's, it's really just kind of all over the place. It's interesting from the standpoint of, the saints mortgaging that much draft capital away for their future to go get a quarterback in this particular draft class, as you mentioned, I'm not sure, but let's transition a little bit. So let's talk about the chargers at 17, since they are essentially in between a saint and a hard place. Let's talk about the chargers at 17. And I'm seeing a lot of the comments in here now because I, shout I fully out to Chris. Agree with it. Shout I fully out to Chris. I like the chargers 17 spot, to be honest. Yeah. And I've been saying this to you since the end of the season, especially now since free agents is passed and a lot of holes have actually been filled for the chargers, but you're not so pigeonholed into one position. Last year was all about the offensive line. We clamored on this podcast to say it either has to be Panay Sewell or it has to be Rashawn <laughs> Slater, or it's going to be the cornerbackers. It was one of those two it, in, in whatever order it was, it, well, it, it was one of those two positions. It was the hope. It was a hope for one of those two. And then having to realize that, oh, maybe it's Christian Derisaw. Correct. And then the year before that, obviously everything was about the quarterback in the first round, and that was a gimmick. So, and we all know how that turned out. But yeah, Dan, in this one, obviously it, free agency has changed a lot because since the end of the season, it's all been about Chargers got to rebuild in the trenches. They got to go out and they got to get one of these big defensive tackles. And God almighty, especially after seeing. Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt perform at their combines, putting on a show. Guys like Travis Jones, guys that we've talked about multiple uh, times on this show. The defensive linemen had a day at their combine. A lot of guys elevated their stock. So you really felt like, they're okay, there was a lot of hype about Jordan Davis. People coming back around saying, okay, yeah, I may be comfortable enough with him at 17. But now there's a lot of indication that Jordan Davis might not even be there at 17. So then things shift a little bit. Then it becomes all about the wide receivers. And now, of course, you hear the reports that uh, Jameson Williams is healthy enough. He's going to be ready for training. I hate camp. that. I hate he's that. Not, Why can't he just be there at 17? Shut because up, Jameson Williams. <laughs> Stop talking. I want you to look hurt the entire time. Only talk to the Chargers limp around for a bit, and then when the pick comes at 17 or wherever, I'm taking my talents to L.A. Sorry to but disappoint you, Dan, but he, he's going to be gone. Uh, and now, really, everything's kind of shifted to the offensive line, and a lot of people have kind of been in that debate now. Is it Charles Cross? Is it Trevor Penning? And some people have even... I've even seen some great tweets out there that said, some team is really going to screw up by taking Trevor Penning before they take Charles Cross. And I, I immediately retweeted it and said, don't you put that evil on me because that historically sounds like a move that the Chargers would do. I'm like, please don't do that. But 
again, the Chargers here are multiple, Dan, but this does kind of convolute things a little bit. Again, you have three teams ahead of the Chargers right now that pick twice. And then, of course, you're right in the center of the Philadelphia Eagles and the New Orleans Saints having two picks. Who We can't predict right now who if, there, if there's going to be any movement there. But just kind of judging by the board, Dan, there may be one, maybe two quarterbacks that are off the board by the time 17 rolls around. Unfortunately, I don't believe that Charles Cross is going to be there at 17 as much as I would love to have him. I don't believe that Jordan Davis is going to be there. I think it would be a damn gift if he ends up being there. I think people have kind of come around a little bit more on the possibility if the Chargers end up taking him. But I'll tell you this, Dan. You don't like this, and I've told you this. I think that at starting at eight around Atlanta is where you're really going to see the beginning of the wide receiver start to go off the board. And if you have guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams go off the board, that leaves you Drake London, Traylon Burst. Again, I'm just spitballing here, just trying to come up with a scenario. This may be the best asset you have if people like myself are looking to trade down from 17. Because if you look behind you, if you look behind you, you got the New England Patriots at 21. I know they just acquired Devontae Parker, but they could always use some more wide receiver help. That's not going to help them. That's not going to put them over the, the top against the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. You have Dallas, who we just heard inquired on Dev- Devontae Parker's uh, availability and tried to execute a trade for him. You have the Green Bay Packers, obviously, who have two first-round picks, and God knows they need a wide receiver, so they could possibly package something up. So, Dan, if you were to tell me that the Chargers could move back a couple spots and a guy like Trevor Penning may still be there, sounds a lot better to me at at in the mid-20s than it does at 17. Oh, I agree. Or a Zion Williamson, a guy who's that versatile and athletically um, – Experienced along Zion, the offensive line, Zion, or Zion, who did Johnson. I say? It's not Zion Williamson. Sorry, <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Zion Johnson, excuse me. Um, yeah, a guy who's just as versatile along the offensive line like that. I could see that as a possibility. Or Dan, hell, maybe you even you even go back a couple spots, and a Jahan Dotson is sitting there in the mid twenties. I mean, who knows? I would be fine with taking Travis Jones in the mid-20s. And again, I know I'm tooting my own horn here as it relates to a whole trade-down scenario, but you are not as pigeonholed into one specific position as you have been historically in this circumstance. So I know a lot of people are praying and hoping that they get their guy at 17. And right now in Chargers fandom, there's a lot of guys that are their guy. But I think this may end up being the most logical reason for the Chargers to execute a trade back at 17, mm-hmm. recoup some extra draft capital, and still get some quality players. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, let's get to some of these comments. We have a ton flooded in here, and I can't even keep up, so I'm going to have to kind of go rapid fire a little here for a little bit. Uh, go for we've it. Got, we've got folks here. So Joker comes in here saying we need a left tackle. Herb... Illis, no matter what, we have options at 17. I really don't think we are as pinched into having to get an offensive tackle as everyone thinks. And then someone else later, let me find it, talks about the possibility of a one uh, Matt Filer who can actually play right tackle. 
And so the Chargers have quite a bit of options where they don't have to go offensive line. And everybody talks about like the Chargers don't have an offensive line to cover the right tackle position. Like they do. And honestly, like right now, if the Chargers did not draft another offensive lineman, which is unlikely, if they their right tackle will be Matt Filer, their left tackle will be excuse me, their left, yeah, the left tackle will be Rashawn Slater, the right tackle will be Matt Filer, centrally Corey Lindsley, and then they'll have to figure out the guard position. Tons of free agents still there. But like that's not that bad. Like people are scared, it's not deep, but it's not that bad as a starting unit. You still got Oni Bushi out there that you're still trying to figure it out. Like you're you're not as pigeonholed as people think. And so no, I, 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 yeah, you're not as pigeonholed as people think. In that circumstance, you'd probably have to utilize Brennan Hymas and bring him in. Yep. I'd be interested to see how they would utilize him. I think from the way I look at it, and maybe the way that a lot of other Chargers fans look at it, is like there's already been so many problems along this offensive line. Anyways, you finally had some semblance of continuity last year. Let's keep as much continuity as you can. And for Matt Filer, he had a fantastic year at left guard last year. So I'd rather I'd rather keep him in that position. Hopefully some sometime between now and the next three and a half weeks, you can get something done and bring O'Day Boucher back because when he was healthy, he was fantastic. And then you just centralize around that right tackle spot. And again, I'm not one of these type of guys that thinks – you know, that you have to go tackle in the first round, not at all. There's plenty of guys in rounds two and rounds three. Again, Dan, this is why I'm harping on the whole trade down scenario. You got to harp on the trade down options. scenario for 35 years. I've been doing years. it for 20 years. <laughs> I've been doing it for 20 years. And until it happens, I'm not going to stop doing it. So you might as well just get used to it. But anyways, uh, no, I don't think that they're as pigeonholed, especially at the right tackle spot, but from, for these last couple of weeks, that is the move that if the Chargers stayed pat and that's the way that the draft fell, that would be a logical spot to go Charles Cross if he was available. But unfortunately, with all the news, he probably won't be. <laughs> no, no. T- taking a quick kind of side tangent away from the draft talk for a second, Ben comes in with a question, and it's funny. We all have our like finger to the pulse of like anything that could possibly happen in Chargers news. And I don't know how much of this is actually known by Sean Merriman, but Ben alludes to the comment that Sean Merriman made on TikTok. And he asked the question, can you guys talk about the Sean Merriman news? And I'm putting news in air quotes. He said on TikTok, Chargers have one more big move. Now, Jake, one. I rely on you on this because I've been in another, I saw the tweet, but I I was in another country. I didn't get a chance to divulge too much into this news. So, the, I guess the question for you is, do you think the Chargers have one more big move? Do you do you think Sean Merriman knows something that we don't about this team's direction? I mean, hey, dude, all anybody really has to do right now is just tweet out the eyeball emoji, and that just <laughs> sets off a damn fire. And if Sean Merriman ends up doing that, then... Twitter Chargers Twitter is probably just going to go ballistic, but we we've seen that type of trend. And obviously with Sean Merriman being who Sean Merriman is, I'm sure he's plugged in in some certain, certain form or fashion still with the Chargers and he should know certain things. Personally to me, do I think that they're making one more big move? It depends on how you measure define the word. Big, exactly. Yeah. Define big. Personally, I think with it being three and a half weeks out from the NFL draft, 
I think any move that takes place between now and then, whether it's one, two, three, whatever, is going to be more on the depth side of things. You're past the second and the third wave of free agency right now. I don't see any other big-time trades happening for any marquee players. I don't see, even if you look at some of the available, I mean, obviously everybody wants to point to Tyron Matthew because he still is un, unsigned. Well, that's Ooh, coming. Maybe, maybe that maybe that might be it. And I'll let you talk about that in a second, Dan. But if it's me just assessing everything more so for the timing, I don't think that any move between now and then outside of Tyron Matthew is any more than strict depth signing. So I agree with a caveat that there could be a big move coming, but not necessarily a big price tag coming. So like there could be some guys who are currently still on the market, surprisingly so, who the Chargers may be able to get for cheaper than they thought or cheaper than we thought. So like imagine a guy, I mean, we've all heard about like Hakeem Hicks. He's still out there. Uh, Tyron Matthew, he's still out there. You've got guys, I mean, there's some corners are still out there. There's still some trade possibilities that it could still be happening. Like, there's other updates, Jake? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just some people, some people were kind of familiar with this because this was news that was out there in the Twitter sphere. But there has been the talk, obviously, that's out there with the Chargers upgrading the kick returner position. So... Everybody's been following along over the last week and a half or so. If they know who DeAndre Carter is from the Washington Commanders, he visited with the Bears today. And as of this tweet that I'm reading now, is scheduled to meet with the Chargers tomorrow. So I know everybody, including myself and Dan, loved what we saw from Andre Roberts in the kicking game last year. But DeAndre Carter, five years younger. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Spring it on with 40 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Matching styles for the family are on sale, too. Shop it all through April 12th. And has a pretty damn good kick return ability and is versatile enough that they utilized him in their offense. So, DeAndre Carter, another name to watch. Again, not the biggest name, not the most electric name that's out there, but certain things the, the Chargers are, according to this, are still looking for in terms of upgrading their kick return uh, position. Now, okay, <clears throat> I understand the desire for teams, and thank you for the late-breaking news. I understand the desire to get younger out of position and to develop speed or to you know get more continuity. Why the hell would the Chargers not bring back Andre Roberts? Like, who's to whether say it's, they still can? No, 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 that's what I'm saying, though. Like, what? It, it, it seems like an unnecessary risk to let Andre Roberts go when he was that damn good for you for two-thirds of a season. And I know people are going to remember, like, the fumble in Week 18, which sucked, but... Arguably, he was the best kick returner in the NFL since he came to the Chargers. I just don't see how you can let that go. I, I've, that's going to suck. Now, I know lots of folks think that they can find ways to replace that in the draft or in free agency. But, like, 
the Chargers have tried for so long, and they finally were able to do with Andre Roberts. Like, why? Dan, I got three words for you. Or three words. Three letters for you. Age. Age. That's what it is. How long is that going to be sustainable for you? How long is that going to be sustainable for you? So it's this move. Let's, and, and who's to say that the Chargers won't bring back Andre Roberts? Dan, I'm, everything that you just said was absolutely right. The Chargers have been starving for a productive kick returner probably since the Darren Sproles days. So it's been a long time since they've had that type of production the way they got from Andre Roberts last year. But look, if there is any way that you're trying to get younger, possibly upgrade your unit in a certain factor. And let's not forget the chargers have a completely different special teams uh, coordinator in, in their, in their coaching ranks this year. So, and it, and ever, from everything that we've heard from Brandon Staley, it sounds like he wants to give him a lot of responsibility on building this unit out the way that he wants to do it. So you have to factor those things in as well. Let's see. Um, Going back to the Tyron Matthew. So question came in earlier asking uh, any latest news on him. Um, no. And that's one of the players that I think folks initially were thinking was going to drive a hefty price tag. And to be honest, he still might. But let's say he's not going back to the Chiefs. And let's say that he wants to win. And let's say he wants to, I don't know, stick it to him for pride and is willing to take some level of a discount. Maybe that's just because of the market. That's because of his age. That's because of who's left. Who knows? But if you can get Tyron Matthew on the cheap, now again, relatively cheap. I'm not talking about like veteran minimum. I'm not talking two, three, four million dollars. Like it'll be more than that. But still, like if you can get him under, you know, in like seven, eight, nine, seven, preferably, like I'd do it. A, a secondary, and I know people are going to say, oh, we don't need that position. Like, you're, but also remember what defensive scheme we are running now. Like, th- this is a little harsh, but like the whole second level. So they got like the linebackers as the second level. You got the linemen slash edge as the first level. And then the third level is just call it secondary DBs, corners, safeties, exactly. Like, Brandon Staley's scheme is kind of okay having mediocre second level. And so if they could just load up on first and third level, that would be ideal for them. And so having a 5DB squad of a JC Jackson, Derwin James, Tyron Matthew, Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr. It's pretty nasty. You you will take that, and then you have the depth where we have th- folks can go underneath that, and so you got like the guys like Ryan Smith, who knows if he's gonna come back, Mark Webb, who we haven't even seen before, who he had a lot of promise last year. We've also got Alohi Gilman, we got Nazir Adderley. Like, there's a ton of guys on this team, and you be able to kind of interchange that. I think there's a ton of value there. Now, could it happen? Who knows. Is there commonality between J.C. Jackson and Derwin James and Tyron Matthew? Yes. I think a lot of folks love to have him on the team. Would it happen? I don't know. I don't know. But they have the cap space to make it happen. So I, I don't necessarily know 
how much fire there is to that smoke, if there even is smoke. But the the thing is that I want people to remember, like the Chargers have, I think, 10 draft picks this year, given the trade they had for Cleo Mack, which also they got freaking Cleo Mack. Uh, 10 guys are not making this roster. 10 draft picks that we sign, they're not all making it. So, like, there's some surplus here the Chargers have that they can they can deal with. Uh, <laughs> Jake, someone, Herb Illis, Commander, still. I know. It is weird. I tried just kept I kept saying Washington football team. And now, like, I kind of wish they just stayed Washington football team. Do you, let's just go down the list here. I'm going to go rapid fire here. Uh, Kapil asked the question, so if Cross is off the board, just means the Saints will take Penning, which would be a massive win for the Chargers. So who would be... The massive haul for you, if let's just let's just say the wide receivers you wanted and the offensive linemen are gone, because the the thing you keep hearing is so and so isn't going to be there at insert pick, but like mm-hmm. you hear that for like twenty people, like Derek Stingley, he's not going to be there. Jameson Williams, not going to be there. You go down the list. Jordan Davis is not going to be there. Kyle Hamilton is not going to be there. Someone's going to be there. Someone's going to be there. It just may not be. It just may not be who the Chargers want to take. Unfortunately, again, we're we're our own armchair GMs. So we look at it from the standpoint of our perspective, and we know who it is that we would love to see the Chargers take. Unfortunately. We're not in their war rooms, <laughs> which we very much would like to be. So, yes, I get it. They all can't be there. But if I'm just assessing, if you look at all the moves that the Chargers did from a defensive perspective, you go out and you get Sebastian Day. You get Austin Johnson. Uh, you get J.C. Jackson, obviously. You bring in Khalil Mack. You did a lot of things just in the first couple of uh, free agency alone to really revamp your defense. Now, if I'm looking at this the way that the board's going to fall, obviously you take the top two defensive tackles that we heard a lot of talk about as far as uh, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. I think there's a possibility that at least one of them could possibly be there at 17. Again, you go back and you start looking at this order, Dan. This is If this was a traditional draft order where we were talking about 1 through 32 and each one of these picks belongs to one of the 32 teams, then I would agree with that assessment to say one of these guys is going to fall. One of the guys that you really want, the home run pick, is going to be there. I don't see this in the same type of light as how the Chargers got Derwin James at 17 a couple years back. I don't see this in the same type of light because if you look at it, the Jets, they have picks four and where's where's their second one all of a sudden? Four and ten, respectively. Then you look at the Giants. They're at five and seven. Then you look at, obviously, with all the movement today from uh, you know, Philadelphia and the Saints. Um, sorry, sorry, what did you just say? I was saying the same thing. Like, Saints and the Eagles both have two picks the first round. Right. Houston has three and 13. So that's three teams already that take up the first that take up six picks in the in the first sixteen, right there. Yeah, the Packers that have two, right? And I predict, obviously, with this run that we expect to ha- to uh, happen as it relates to wide receivers, 
I would expect Kansas City not to stand pat with their picks. I would expect Green Bay not to stand pat with their picks. And we're not even mentioning teams like the New Englands or the Dallases or any one of these other teams that, even if it's not for a wide receiver, even if they covet a different position, could still trade up for. So there's going to be a lot of movement, whether it's trading back, trading up around the Chargers. And look, if it was me, if it was me and it was a perfect world and things fell the way that I wanted to, yeah, Jameson Williams at 17 would be pretty badass to pair with (laughs) Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Josh Palmer, no doubt about it. I've been on the Jordan Davis bandwagon a lot, but I love me some Travis Jones. I wouldn't mind trading back in the mid 20s and taking Travis Jones there because I don't see Travis Jones falling past Tampa Bay. If oh, yeah, if you could trade, if you could trade back and get Travis Jones, then get second round pick. I would love that. And, and also acquiring some additional draft capital. Again, the now what looks to be uh what was a pipe dream just looks to be like just a dream that you had last night and you can't even remember it. That's Charles Cross there at 17. Um you know it's there are, there are some of those dream scenarios, but each one of them, Dan, as I look at it and I just try to value what other teams are going for when you look, start looking at assessing these rosters, yeah, I just don't think that these guys are going to be there, unfortunately. Well, the good news is um, insider information here, Jake. We're going to have a special guest on Wednesday to talk about just this. So be on the lookout for someone who is quite the draft expert to be joining us to talk all things NFL draft and what the heck the Chargers can do. So a lot of these draft questions, we're going to be siphoning right over to that conversation. So be on the lookout for that episode that we have coming out later this week. Next question, James Wagner. I'm actually inclined. Thanks for reaching out, by the way, James. I'm actually inclined to like the trade back and perhaps get a top corner. What's your view on that idea? And again, this is where I keep going back to. Like, not everyone is going to be there, but not everyone is not going to be there. And so let's say a bunch of wide receivers go. Let's say two quarterbacks go. Let's say one or two defensive linemen goes. And all of a sudden, you got four offensive line that are going. You got defensive line. You got a couple corners. And there's a guy like a Stingley or Andrew Booth who's available. Or maybe Kyle Hamilton falls. Who knows? Or whoever. Let's say the Chargers trade back. They're at pick 23-ish. I'm making this up. Who would be the cornerback that you think would realistically be there? Or cornerback or two? We're, we're not Stingley, I don't think, is going to be there at 23. I, I just don't see it happening. No. Uh, first off, let me preface this by saying, I don't think that the Chargers are going corner in first round at all, given what they've done with bringing in J.C. Jackson. Again, you're not rebuilding your your secondary. You reshaped it because bringing in J.C. Jackson, now you get the flexibility of putting Asante Samuel Jr. in the slot and pairing him with Mike Davis on the outside. And that actually that is a secondary that I'm actually really excited to see. <laughs> now, we can go yes. off of Brandon Staley's comments about what he says and that he says that he prioritizes the corner position very, very much. So do I think that they're going to draft a corner in this draft? 100%. Do I think it's going to happen in round one? No, I don't. And especially with some of the guys that are still on the board that realistically should be there. 
Dan, you yourself have said that you wouldn't spend 17 on Trent McDuffie. Uh, you think the possibility That's of fair. Andrew Booth being there at 17 is possible, but I don't see them pulling the trigger on Andrew Booth, given the way that the board's going to fall. And again, if the Chargers didn't have J.C. Jackson right now, we'd probably be having a much bigger conversation on this. But I just don't see it. Sauce Gardner is going to be gone well before then. Stingley, I think with the reports now, especially this week of him, his recovery going well from the lens frac surgery, and he's all set to perform on his pro day. Mm -hmm. If Derek Stingley was not injured, there's an argument to be made that he is the number one corner that's taken in this draft. No question about be. it. So no, I don't see him falling to that point either. So secondary, uh, again, it's like, in my opinion, it's like, it's like one, McDuffie, McDuffie, Elam would be the two that I think would be like the guys who you would, could possibly be targeting. If you're in the there. mid 20s, yeah, yeah. But again, I still don't see them pulling the trigger on something like that. I don't like think that. they're doing it. Right. I'm just saying those are the guys that are there. Yeah, that, that would be best. But then that would, you'd probably have an uproar for a good <laughs> number of Chargers fans if that ended up happening. Jake, so Kelby comes, Kelby Schomer, terrible with pronunciation of folks' names, uh, asks a question. Do you think we could or should sign a Domicong Sue? I, I think recently he sent out a tweet that, that said, like, the, I think it was like the Bucks have done great this offseason, except they didn't sign one free agent guy, meaning himself. Do you think that's worth it? No. And I'll say, I'll, pref I'll, pre no. I'll preface this. I will preface this. I know a lot of us were, a lot of our focus when it came to free agency, we talked about the Sebastian Joseph days, but there was another one that we talked about, and that was Akeem Hicks. And Akeem Hicks is still yet signed by any NFL football team. I think if you go back the last couple of years, who have been your big guys in the middle, your veterans? the Brandon Meebanes, the Linval Josephs, but guys who have come in older than 30, Dan, they've came in older than that and gave you one, maybe two productive years at that point in time. And now what you see them doing, going after and acquiring Austin Johnson, which I thought was a very good low key under the, not so much under the radar, but like, Good, solid production from a guy that doesn't get that much notoriety. And then mm -hmm. you pair that with Sebastian Joseph Day. And then you still have guys that you're building up with Brennan Fajoko and Forrest Merrill. And possibly, you know, with, with the rest of the guys that you're planning to develop. They want to get younger, faster, stronger in the middle. So a guy like Indominic and Sue, I think that, I think at this point in his career, I think he would benefit by playing against younger guys like that. But I don't think that that's Staley's plan anymore. I think he wants to develop the inside of his line because if we all remember, Linval Joseph was there before Brandon Staley got there. And so he wants to rebuild this interior, this defensive line his way. And again, I think he wants to target on getting younger and faster there. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, I, I, Akeem Hicks, honestly, I still think would be a great signing for the team as like a, a depth piece to kind of circle out that defensive line and get that thing strengthened. Um, but it's nice to not have to like rely on him to be like your interior defensive line number one. Like you've got a pretty good group already and you could just make it so much better. 
Um, Jake, before we get into paying the bills a little bit, because I know we got some sponsors we got to talk about, um, let's go rapid fire through some of the folks that have come here and just have been very nice. Uh, let's see. Let's get to the – I'll start from the end and go up. Uh, William Escobar, thanks for tuning in. We've got Ross Ackerman, who has come in. Herb Illis is talking about your hoverboard. Jake's still loving the hoverboard. Uh, lots of love coming in here from a lot of guys here, so appreciate all you guys tuning in. Uh, I think Joe Fernandez has also come in here earlier and mentioned us and said thanks for having us back. I know it's been a long time since we've been here, but we're back. That's all that matters. Um, okay, Jake, ready to pay the bills? Time to pay the bills just a little bit. So, yeah, we uh, got to talk about our new newest sponsor at Bet Online. So, if you guys have been following the national championship game, March Badness, and what a freaking crazy March it indeed it was, we're finally at the national championship game. So, if you're looking to wager on these games as it relates to the national championship, we have the Masters coming up this week. You have the NBA games that are finally starting to trickle into their. Uh, postseason here in just a little bit make sure you go to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code b-l-e-a-v to get started bet online remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info along with player props and new contents uh throughout excuse me contest throughout the year it's the best source for all your sporting and wagering needs including live betting and everyone's favorite vegas casino and poker games it's super easy to get started so join today learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports bet online where the game starts Woo, jake i like it i like it let's keep on rolling with these questions ross has a question thank you for sending them in again if you guys have any questions or topics that i've got to discuss this episode is for you we're talking all things free agency nfl draft chargers roster latest news etc ross Ackerman brings in the question how do you feel about taking a guard in round one, um, you know, I'm not opposed to it, but again, how do you, we have to. How really do you feel see... about taking a guard at 17? Maybe is a better question. <laughs> so <laughs> you, ha- you have guys like you have guys like Kenyon Green. You guys have you have guys like Zion Johnson. Uh, at 17, to me, I think that you could should realistically, if that's the way that the board fell, if it. If Ode Boucher does not come back to this team and your your only course of action is indeed to move uh, Matt Filer to right tackle, then you essentially you have question marks at both guard spots. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it, but I think I would rather trade back to the early to the mid twenties and select one there. I think that would be a better value based off of how the board's gonna fall, based off of what other teams are going to covet and what they're going to need that are behind you. So if you can acquire some extra draft capital and take one of these guys, I think that would be the best way to maximize the value of 17, but to also give you another opportunity because you currently don't have a second round pick. And for whatever it is that you're going to have to prioritize your day two picks on, that could definitely help you out. So yeah, I'm not opposed to it. I don't, think that I would like it so much at 17, but I think it would have to depend on who we're talking about there. But yeah, not That's opposed rich. to it, but I would probably rather trade back a few spots and then select one. Okay. Uh, James Wagner comes in with a topic. Uh, and I thought this would be a fun one. We could have some fun with this. For some reason, the Chargers are notorious for unbelievable first round opportunity picks falling. 
We could talk about a Derwin James. You could talk about Rashawn Slater or Sante Samuel, even though it's round two. They've had guys fall Still. for quite some time. Still. I am sure that pick will come again unexpectedly. Now, on that, in that lens, who would be like, and we, we can ask this in the comments, who would be your pipe dream, but like a smidge of realistic exp, realistic possibilities? Like, like, for example, like Sauce Gardner is not falling to 17. Not a chance in hell, no matter what. Like, that would be like Trevor Lawrence falling to 10 when he was in the draft. So, who would be your somewhat realistic pipe dream scenario where you are sprinting faster for this player than any other player in the draft? If I mean, if I'm keeping it realistic, Dan, it's it's only a Somewhat realistic. Somewhat I mean, realistic. I don't, I don't think... George, I don't think... Look, I don't. I don't think that Jordan Davis. I don't think Jordan Davis is going to fall to seventeen, but I think he has a better chance than a lot of these guys, realistically, to be there at seventeen. Same goes for Devontae Wyatt. But for me, if you start looking at like the wide receivers, at least the ones that we would like to say that they're worth the seventeenth overall pick, as of about a week and a half ago, it would have been it would have been Jamison Williams, but that realistic probability went <laughs> took a nosedive like a bad <laughs> cryptocurrency just a week just a week ago. So, unfortunately, I just don't see that happening. <laughs> okay, but but what I'm saying is like there's still like a what ten percent chance. Like it's not likely. It's clearly not likely. But like there's somewhat of a chance that he could fall. There's somewhat of a chance that Stingley could get there. Like there's somewhat of a chance that, that Cross could get there. You could say that, especially from the wide receiver standpoint, because as we've said plenty of times before, and I think a lot of people kind of understand this now, is that this wide receiver class is so different from the previous wide receivers class. Number one, it's deep. But number two, there's no consensus one, two, three guys that are in that same type of order as far as how people really feel about them. People are all over the place on who they believe is the number one guy. Again, if Drake London and Jamison Williams were were healthy at this point, they'd probably be holding a lot more merit to be in a conversation for a number one overall wide receiver taken. But some people in the consensus believe Garrett Wilson's the number one guy. Some people we've at least I've read over the last week, Dan, believe that Chris Olave is wide receiver run on their board. And some people have mocked him to be the first wide receiver taken. Dan, you and I love Traylon Burks. And depending on what system you're trying to look for, he could be a great asset. But remember, the Chargers are not looking for wide receiver one. You're looking to somewhat, obviously you're looking toward the future, but you're looking for another weapon to pair with the likes of Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer. You're not looking for that number one overall guy. This is we, the chargers are not the Falcons. The chargers are not the Packers. We don't need wide receiver as much as they do. So they're going to think wide receivers are different on their board than we think of ours and everybody else in between. So yeah, I, I, again, going back to the original question, and I apologize if I went on a tangent there, but Jamison Williams would be my pipe dream if it was to go that way. But I just don't see it happening. <laughs> I love I love that Jamison Williams has become your pipe dream because I don't think he was your pipe dream when we were having that episode talking about wide receivers. 
I think your pipe dream. That was dream... before free agency, my friend. A lot I, of things have changed. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. My pipe dream has always been Jameson Williams for like, it feels like months now. Uh, but if there were, I would say three. The, the three that I am sprinting for would be Jameson Williams, Jordan Davis. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Spring it on with 40 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Matching styles for the family are on sale, too. Shop it all through April 12th. Or Stingley. Now, like you said, the one that's probably most likely to be there of those three is probably Jordan Davis. But if any of those three are there, I am running as fast as I can. Because like those are generational players at those positions. Dan, I'm going to piss you off here. I'm going to piss you off here for about 30 seconds, and it probably will end up being a little bit more because you're you see you're already upset right now. Let's say Jamison Williams and Traylon Burks are the only two wide receivers left. The other three have been taken up to 17. New England calls you up. Dallas calls you up. Green Bay calls you up. Nope. Say, we'll give you a second round pick. Nope. (laughs) We need a wide receiver. You can come back to 22. You can come back to 21. You can come back to 28. We'll give you our second round pick. You give us 17. Same scenario. The players are on the board. You're Tom Telesco. What are you doing? Oh, see, that's like a nightmare. I mean, it's a good nightmare to have, I guess. But so you're so you're telling this. This is me thinking like Tom Telesco. Okay, so I could either draft my guy, Jameson Williams, or I can get back a second round pick, go get someone like a Sky Moore, like a Cal Austin, like a. Uh, who's the guy from North, North Dakota State? I forget his name. Christian Watson. In the second round, maybe. And then third round, I can go get someone else. Uh, a Kobe Bryant, maybe, uh, for a corner. Oh! See? Oh, that would, that would suck. That would be like my nightmare. Um, do you do it? I think I would do it. I think I think it would suck, and I would be sweating bullets for the next like ten picks. But like, if I can trade that away, I can go get someone like a Travis Jones or maybe Devonte White or someone, or maybe like an offensive guard number two or one in the twenties. I get Cal Austin in the second round. And I can go get. No, oh, probably. I think I'm doing it. I'm assuming you'd do it, right? I would do it. I, I would do it, and I know a lot of people probably wouldn't agree with that scenario. If if Jameson Williams is your guy, credit to you, you'd pull the trigger. That's totally fine. For me, again, because you're not looking for that wide receiver one, Dan, see, I look at it like this. If you mean to tell me that you could trade back just in the mid-20s and grab a guy like Travis Jones or grab a guy like, you know, Zion Johnson, one of the guards, possibly another one of, of the tackles, who knows who's going to end up being there. And you could fortify that in the trenches and then go out in the second round and 
address your wide receiver and pick up a guy, like you said, Cal Austin or a Sky Moore, to pair with that group when we're talking about especially overall speed and overall what you've seen them do from the, the senior bowl practices and what they've done through their respective college careers. Yeah, I would, I would love that. And, and Dan, again, I say that from the standpoint of not only because I'm a big proponent of trading down, but let's not forget just a couple of years ago when you decided to make the jump up for, for K9. How long did that wait feel before the Chargers ended up picking again? And you just saw all these good players just go off the board before you even got an opportunity to get back at the podium. I preferably don't want to see that again, especially from the standpoint of the amount of picks that the Chiefs have in their division and how many times they get to make their selection in the first mm-hmm. three bounds and them rebuilding. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that the a number of these handful day two players, and you always know you're going to have round one talent fall on day two. And I don't want to have to sit there playing that waiting game, even, even if it is just for the second round. So depending on how the board falls to you, Dan, if it's not your guy and you believe that you can get value elsewhere and do it in a way where you can gain higher draft capital, I'm there all day. It would be painful for me to have to make that decision. I think I would end up having to make that. I know. I I know it would. I expect that Dan Wolkenstein uh, fist shaped hole in my drywall <laughs> if that indeed ends up playing out at the draft party here in the next three and a half weeks no doubt yep um okay herb i don't know if it's erb illist or herb illist what do you think which one is it jake you got me i would have said herbalist okay so herb illist maybe he's an herbalist <laughs> some later round draft diamonds y'all want he mentioned someone out of asu in the third round all right jake we could answer this or, like we've or, done in seasons past, if you go listen to the episodes or watch the episodes we've had on the different positions, we give you the draft diamonds for each of those positions. So you can get your answer on the cornerback episode we had, on the defensive line episode we had, on the wide receiver episode we had. Um, there is some crazy speed, or some crazy hands, some crazy ball hawk, and some crazy massive dudes that are in that list. Uh, we're coming up with offensive line here in a bit as the next week. position. So stay tuned for that. Lucky 858. Offense already is a top five defense bottom half of the NFL when you get defensive line. So this is one of the arguments you hear a lot of people talking about. And one of the topics that I think doesn't get um, flushed out enough. Yes. Week 18, Max Crosby decimated our right side of the offensive line and was almost entirely the reason why we were not in the playoffs last year. Micah Parsons can't forget about his performance. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Good God. But in totality, Chargers offense was balling all year. Many honestly was even balling in those games, except maybe the Dallas game. That was probably the most like sputtering they have had all year. So everyone who talks about like the Chargers need to go get a right tackle or a guard or whatever in round one, I push back on that. Your offense is still damn good. Now, yes, 
your whole franchise is built around the quarterback. And is it a risk? Sure. But it was a risk all last year with Storm Norton. And Justin Herbert is athletic enough to where he can kind of get out of some of the situations. So the defense, if you can stack that correctly, can make it to where you don't have to see Justin Herbert going back 50 times for passing. Like, they could run it and punt it. They could. They actually might not have to go for it on four down all the time as much as we'd like to. So, I, as much as we've seen, like, the Khalil Mack's already happened, the J.C. Jackson's already happened, everything that have been on defense, that doesn't mean, like, they can't go more on defense. Like, they are going to. I can promise you that. Uh, but if you were, if you had to choose, Jake, offense, defense in round one, I know that's a very hasty generalization. Which are you leaning towards? Your premium so you pick. To... Your premium pick. Which one do you lean towards? I, I'd have to say that I'm going. See, before free agency, no question about it. This is defense all day. I think just depending on how. I think I would still lean towards the defense. I think I'd like to pair at least one more of these guys along with Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson, it could be a nasty front that you could create alongside Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. You're going to create a lot of opportunities for a lot of those guys along that defensive line if you're able to fortify it the right way. And already, it's it already looks a hell of a lot better than it did last year. But on the flip side of that, Dan, you saw what Joe Burrow had to do with, had to deal with when his team didn't properly invest in his offensive line, and he's had to do that for the last couple of years. Now they finally have come around to it in free agency, and they've gone out and acquired three offensive linemen. So I think if you stand pat at 17, you don't trade back, and depending on how the board falls, keeping Justin Herbert upright, especially after you mentioned it, Dan, the situations that you see against Max Crosby and some other pass registers that had their way with Storm Norton throughout the year, you got to fortify that right side of the offensive line. You have to do it. You have to do it. And to and to and to SoCal Slime's uh, question right there, no third round tackle will save Herbert from Nick Bosa or Crosby. Well, Ode Boucher was a fifth round draft pick in 2013. Matt Filer was undrafted. <laughs> so Trey Pip- I can't Trey Trey freaking Pipkins actually did I mean, we pretty all, darn we, good last year. Look, I last year Trey Pipkins improved in the moments that he needed to show up, yes. but I don't think anybody here feels that much better about the possibility of Trey Pipkins being the answer. We know Storm Norton is not that. But you still have to invest in this offensive line. Now, for me personally, we'll talk about this more on our offensive uh, line prospect breakdown. I'm a huge fan of some guys that you can get on day two that I think at the right tackle position can be very, very productive for you. And we'll get into that later on this week. But yeah, Dan, back to your original question. I still think it's defense. If you're staying put at 17 with first round value, again, depending on how the board falls, I would still have to lean more with the defensive side of the ball. I think I'm leaning defense unless it's Jameson Williams. That's the only that's the only player that I think I would go offense for at 17. Uh, Jake, someone has to challenge you a little bit here. Counterpoint to your Joe Burrow argument is that the Bengals also made it to the Super Bowl. Correct. And, and that is the perfect counter argument. And you could come up with this one of two different ways. 
the Bengals probably don't even get to the Super Bowl unless they make the selection of taking Jamar Chase. And it's just really wacky how that is. But then you have to think you think of the, think of this is do they win the Super Bowl if they had a better offensive line? And I'm talking not just last year, but just in years prior of investing it. The Bengals just hadn't done a good job of that. Yeah. So you can look at it one of two ways. Do they do they win Super Bowl? Do they had a, they had a shot to win the Super Bowl last year, but they probably don't make it there without Jamar Chase. But then you also probably don't have your quarterback go down in his rookie season if it wasn't for a bad offensive line. So both points can be 100% true. 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 Um, ben has a question. We just stopped got right tackle already because this is a pigeonholing us, which, again, I don't think we're pigeonholed because we have Matt Filer who could right now, this minute, play right tackle and we're good. So do we need offensive line? Yes. But... Do we necessarily need to have that in round one? No. And there's a bunch of guys that we could possibly go after, both in free agency as well as in the draft. Like there's a bunch of offensive line who's still there. Like Riley Reef's still there. Like there's guys. Who- Kelly's been the one that's been talked about a lot. And then if I remember correctly, I think this was one signing that someone had actually, I think this may have been for PFF that they actually said could be a low key value signing. Not sure if we would end up if this signing would come before or after the draft. But if I remember correctly, I believe it was Daryl Williams from the Buffalo Bills, who still is out there in free agency. Dwayne um, Brown is still there. I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about Seattle offensive lineman. No, I'm no saying it's a stopgap. I'm no saying offense. it's a stopgap. Yes. I, I got it. But we tried a stopgap situation with Brian Bulaga. We've tried stopgap positions at the right tackle position before. And for some reason, it just hasn't seemed to work out. So I get it. You need it. I mean, if, if it comes down to it and you obviously, if the Chargers don't feel like they need to pigeonhole themselves, maybe that is their plan. And maybe that is something that comes up here in the next three and a half weeks. But I, don't, I definitely don't think that you're pigeonholed. Not not at all. Well, Ross Ackerman has all of the answers, apparently. He's going to be the next Tom Telesco. He says, all you got to do is move Phyla over, trade back, and take guard in round one. Wide receiver goes round two. Cornerback round three. Defensive tackle round four. Running back round five. Safety round six. And four different <laughs> running backs round seven in hopes that one of them could do something. Hey, do we even 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 need to have the draft now? Like this is we're done. We can go home, right? We're good. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yes. We're we're wrapping up the Q and A portion of this. Um, so if you have any other questions or comments before we sign off, now is your last chance to do so. If you have not already done so, be sure to like and subscribe. Hit the like button on the episode. Go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you do your podcasts. Um, Jake. I have a question that came in that I think is going to get your uh, the hair on your back up a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Herbillist, do you guys think Keenan Allen is going to be over the hill? Or is he over the hill? And how many years do you think he has left in the tank? Because you've heard a little bit of whispers and rumblings about Keenan, Keenan Allen being a little too old and Keenan Allen, maybe he's washed. You've seen... Some national commentators kind of taking shots. Not shot. whispers, just flat out <laughs> stupid and insulting. Let's just leave it at that. Yep. So maybe the two-bar question. One, do you see Keenan Allen as getting a little bit long in the tooth when it comes to age and ability? And two, how much longer 
do we have left with Keenan Allen? So when Keenan Allen's contract expires in 2024, Keenan Allen will be 32 years old. Now, what makes Keenan Allen great and what always has made him great since he has been with this team has never been a standpoint of speed. It's been his ability to separate and his precise route running. Uh, if you have that mastered, speed is not the only way that you need to create separation. It's nice. It's absolutely, you can't teach it for sure. Uh, to me, I think that you can get these last two years out of Keenan Allen's contract and have them be positive. And I say that from the standpoint, if you obviously with them committing to Mike Williams now over the next three years in his contract, which I still don't even believe he'll completely play those three years. You have Josh Palmer, who you drafted last year. I think that the spurts that we saw him in were very nice. And if you continue developing him the right way, you have some nice possibilities there. I definitely think whether it's this year or next year that you see the Chargers spend a high draft choice on a wide receiver, no doubt. And this is historically what Tom Telesco has done when it relates to certain positions. We can use the linebacker as a great point of that. You go from <laughs> you go from the Denzel Perrymans to the Kenneth Murrays to the Kaiser Whites, and then what do you do? It's just you have him on the roster for a little bit, and then you let him go. But he has seemed to always kind of draft them one year ahead of when it's really needed. So I think that that would be the case here, whether it's this year or next year, that you really start to invest in the wide receivers. And just from that standpoint of you don't want to skip, you don't want to skip a beat, and you want to keep putting weapons out there for Justin Herbert for him to have in this offense, a la that the Chiefs have done for Patrick Mahomes. And you look at what the Buffalo Bills have done for Josh Allen. So you're going to need to follow that strategy. Do I still think that Keenan Allen could be productive in these final two years of his contract? Short answer is yes, I do. Um, I don't know if Keenan Allen will. I don't see us. I don't see us signing Keenan Allen beyond this contract. Unfortunately, if that's what you're kind of, looking for a couple, a couple quick statistics slash statements for folks who are talking about Keenan Allen uh, losing a step. Maybe over the past five seasons, no other wide receiver has more catches in the NFL than Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's number one, 509 receptions. Number two, Devontae Adams with 506. Number three is Travis Kelsey. One more, Jake. <laughs> Keenan Allen give him, has one. Give him a couple more, man. We haven't, we haven't done this in a while. Has a 100 or more receptions in each of the last five seasons, including the playoffs. He is one of one who has been able to do that. Obviously, Nick Wright couldn't even look that up. So, <laughs> And for how much Keenan Allen's getting paid to be able to have that consistency for a quote-unquote injury-prone wide receiver. What the hell are these people looking at? Well, when you measure the Keenan Allen contract to the Christian Kirk contract, first off, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yes, yes, I get your point. Uh, Kapil, I apologize if I'm not saying this correctly. Can you guys fast forward time to April? 20th? Please, 
please, please. I know that we're, what's today, the fourth? We're 24 days away from the NFL draft, but I shit you not, these (laughs) next three and a half weeks are going to drag. You're going to feel like you're in the part of this planet that has the longest days of, you know, in existence. And they are going to drag, and it's going to suck. But yes, if I had the possibility to fast forward to April 28th and say that the draft was this coming Thursday, I would 100% do it. Good. Okay, yes. I I will fast forward for you until April 28th. I know I have the the hoverboard behind me, but unfortunately I don't have the DeLorean. Otherwise, (sighs) I I take us all in there. (laughs) Yep. All right, guys, we are wrapping up. Um, shout out to everyone who has taken part in this. Uh, Ross Ackerman, you've got Herb Illis, HH4, who I know sometimes can be a pessimist, but has become sort of an optimist as of late, kind of taken on my side. Uh, we've got Ben, Dan Anio, Chris Elias, SoCal Slime, Denoco, Blue Bolt Up, Matthew Trzinski, Kapil. We've got Justin, aka Sue Light. We've got so many Garrett Seibert, Greg Bulkin, you name it. We've got all kinds of guys here. Uh, Jake, last call. Here we go. Dan, a couple more. I, I will make a request because we have not done this in a minute. Let's get, let's give, a, can we give another 10 minutes? Can we do that? Can we be that generous enough? For the people, of course, we can do it. 10 more let's minutes. Let's do it. Let's got do 10 it. minutes. Okay. Uh, Real quick, shout out to Kapil. He says, thanks, guys. Your content makes it easier to make it to the 28th. Have a good one. You too. Trust me. We're all in this boat together. We want it to be draft day today. Unfortunately, we we can't. Uh, Herbalist comes in and says, yeah, I love Keenan Allen. It'd be heartbroken. Get the charge, got rid of him. Honestly, Damn, what, all what of us I- will. Yes. One, I think one position that we need to discuss, Dan, and this is a big one that took place while we were, you know, out of sorts for the last three and a half weeks. Out of sorts. Out of sorts, like I think is the best way to, to say that. Yeah, but you're saying like it's a bad thing. Like it was a great out of no, sorts. I, no, it was fantastic, obviously, <laughs> but it's been a little while since we've done this. Uh, Kaiser White mm. going to the Eagles on a one-year deal for upwards, not at $5 million, but upwards of $5 million. I know that this had a lot of people, you and I included, up in our feelings about this. And I think we just have to kind of stand back and understand that does it suck 100% to have a linebacker that is that productive for you go to another team on what really seems like a steal of a deal. Basically it's a one year prove it deal for him. Essentially. I I wouldn't see why he doesn't get extended longer in that, in that Eagles defense. But the bigger reason here is Dan, is that it's funny because when we look back at all of the priority free agents that we were talking about, that we had to resign and, Kaiser White was obviously at the top of that list. Then you had Nwosu, and then you had Justin Jones, and none of these guys got brought back. And number one, you have to look at it from the standpoint of when these guys were here, you know who was the head coach of this team at that point in time? 
It was Anthony Lynn's defense. It was Gus Bradley's defense. It was completely something different. And I get it. I understand that how many people, again, me and Dan included, loved Kaiser White. And if you're still salty and pissed off about it, you have the right to be. I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't be about it. I don't think that anybody feels too comfortable right now with how the play has gone thus far to say that Ken Murray coming into that role is going to produce because we can't predict that. We would hope that that's what happens and that he makes a monumental jump in play here in his third year in the league, but we can't predict that. So we go off of what we know. But on top of that, here's comes these conversations about Chargers spending yet another first round pick on a possible linebacker. And you've got your Nicobe Deans and you've got your Devin Lloyds. And trust me, I love me some Devin Lloyd, but Oh my gosh, I would think that would just kind of be a little bit irresponsible if you're looking at the so rest pissed. of the needs around the team. If after the draft capital that you sunk into trading up for Kenneth Murray and then letting Kaiser White walk for essentially pennies as it stands right now and then spending yet another first round pick on a linebacker. <sighs> I, I just can't see that happening. I know that we've heard a lot of Dan, and I still have not yet been able to pronounce his name properly, but <laughs> give me Eamon's last name. However you just said it, it sounds right, but you know who it is that I'm talking about. Thank you. <laughs> Apparently, the Chargers are very, very high on him. So that's their plan, along with Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil. So on the surface level, does it sound like a reliable group to go into next year. No, it doesn't sound like the most reliable. It doesn't give you as much as, as much positive positivity as we felt going into last year when you had your, your linebacking linebacker group. So do I think that the Chargers are going to reload at linebacker this year? 100% I do, but do I think it should be in the first round for guys like N'Kobe Dean or, um, uh, Dan and Lloyd, even though they could realistically be on the board, and I love both guys, but no, I just don't think that that would be the right way to go. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. No, I, th- I think you're right. Um, so a question that we hadn't really got to talk about uh, is a question that came in from New Jersey Savage. Oh, New Jersey Savage. I get it. I get it. Uh, what are your expectations for Gerald Everett in this offense with Herbert? So to to put in context, Jake, we've got Jared Cook, who last year had 48 receptions, 564 yards, and four touchdowns. How many dropped passes? I think it's seven, I think. Uh, I might go on the over for all of them except touchdowns. I think he'll have over 48 catches. I think he'll have over 560 yards. But I don't necessarily know if he's as much of like a red zone threat as Cook was. But honestly, four isn't even that much. 
what's your expectations for him? I mean, physical dude, way more physical than anyone we've had in quite some time. Uh, yards after the catch guy always falls forward. Isn't afraid of a little bit of hit uh, plays through the whistle. And he's utilized in a bunch of different ways. Like you go back and watch him in, in LA, for example, like he was doing all kinds of stuff. He was doing end arounds. He was doing jet sweeps. He was doing tight end screens. He was going deep. He was like up the middle. Like it was kind of all over the place. Like he's an athletic guy and he's more athletic than, We've probably had definitely since, I mean, I think he's more athletic than Hunter Henry, if I'm being honest. Like, is he as good of an all-around tight end as Hunter Henry? Arguably not. But in terms of just sheer athleticism that you give Justin Herbert, like, yeah. I have high hopes for him. What are your expectations on Jared Everett? Well, one, you're getting a guy who's seven years younger than Jared Cook. I think (laughs) from a standpoint of winning his battles a lot of more different ways than how Jared Cook won his. I think you're already in the positive net there. I think, I think he could have a very productive year in this offense. And again, if you got to think about when Donald Parham ends up returning, think about what they did in the red zone and the big body guys. And again, how you utilize Donald Parham to just, he can be that guy that could be your jump ball tight end in those type of scenarios. But you talk about pairing Gerald, Gerald Everett, with Donald Parham, I think you got a hell of a lot more athletic collectively at your tight end position, no doubt about it. It's a little bit bittersweet today that we're talking about this, considering that Steven Anderson, one of my favorite players that's been on this team for a couple of years, is no longer on this team. Uh, he just signed with the Arizona Cardinals earlier today. So you're probably most likely now, considering that your three tight ends on the roster are Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, and uh, Trey McKitty. So most likely you are going to be looking for a tight end. I wouldn't say that it, that even comes into question before before day three. I don't see any of these, these tight ends being selected before that. But um, I think that he can be a very, I think he can be a very productive part of this offense, Dan. I think it's one of the, may arguably be like the lowest kind of, under the radar type move that the Chargers have made. It's like you almost kind of forget, given all the big names that have signed with the Chargers in those first couple of days, it's like, oh yeah, you know, you kind of forgot that Gerald Everett came and signed with the Chargers. So I liked the signing when I saw it. Um, and I think that he could be productive at his age. Again, you see this theme here, Chargers getting younger, getting younger, getting younger, multiple different positions. So I think that their plan is to keep putting young talent around Justin Herbert. And again, if it wasn't for the drop passes that just plagued the Chargers, both from receiver standpoint and from tight end standpoint, you probably would have seen a hell of a lot more production. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited about this as far as Gerald Everett coming in and combining with the likes of a Josh Palmer and a Keenan Allen and a Mike Williams and possibly a wide receiver that we see here in the next three and a half weeks. Yeah, and simply put, Gerald Everett can do things that Jared Cook cannot. He is far more athletic than Jared Cook and gives a dimension that this Chargers offense has not had at the tight end position in years. So, yes, I'm very excited to see what he can do. And we'll touch on the Steven Anderson thing for a bit. In a vacuum, how could the Chargers not keep Steven Anderson? But, and I know he's a fan favorite, and he's a very versatile tight end. But just look at this for a second. They just signed Gerald Everett. They just drafted Trey McKitty, who by all words that we've heard from the team and what we've seen, 
He's improved drastically as a tight end in general, but also is a great run blocker. And you got Donald Parham. So, like, are you going to keep four tight ends with this team, knowing what this offense needs? Like, I don't. He kept think, it last year. I don't think it's it happening this year. Do you think it's happened this year? Well, Dan, here's here's my thought process on that. It, it, the reason, the biggest reason that you kept four tight ends last year, and again, is because of how Joe Lombardi utilized Steven Anderson in this offense. And this is one of the reasons that I hate the fact that he's not coming back is because Steven Anderson was such an underrated blocker. And that's why he was utilized mm-hmm. so much at, as a fullback and as a halfback position. And some of the plays they ran where he was literally snapping from the fullback position would move up, out, and then up the field and would be wide open for Justin Herbert to throw out to. I mean, he made a lot of very underrated plays for this team. And especially when you start thinking about, okay, well, who's going to be blocking in front of Austin Eckler now? <laughs> Before Steven Anderson, there wasn't much productivity there as it relates to the fullback position. So that was the reason why you kept four tight ends because you had one that could play multiple positions. Uh, I'm I'm not going to say it's impossible for the Chargers to not keep four tight ends this this year, but like I said, I definitely if that is the case, I definitely don't see them investing in one until mid to late day three at best considering who you have on the roster already. Right. And again, you have to think whoever you bring in as your fourth tight end, if not, they're going to have to be better than the three you already have. It is. It's a, we are talking about now, Dan, a fourth (laughs) string tight end on this show. I cannot (laughs) believe that sentence just came out of our mouths. Yeah. All right. Bold prediction time. This might be the last topic we have, unless someone else gives us a great topic that makes Jake ask us if we can stay 10 more minutes. Bold prediction time. Who gets more sacks this year, Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack? First question. Bosa or Mack? <laughs> I think it's Mack. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's Mack, and I'm going to say this despite his injury-filled... 2021 season. If you look at just the microcosm of the games that he was healthy for, Dan, what was it? It was it was six sacks in six games, I think, that he had. And I'm not even talking about like the pressures that he had, but he had like one sack consecutively for I think it was up to six weeks. So I think he's coming back motivated. He's obviously coming back in a system that he's familiar with, who he had arguably his best season as a pro under Brandon Staley. You don't make an investment for a guy like that, like the Chargers did, and not expect it to come in and be productive. And look, when Joey Bosa had someone to bookend him, when you had Melvin Ingram, when he was healthy, Joey Bosa was able to be dominant. Now you're basically almost saying that you have two Joey Bosa's on your team, but one of them just so happens to be Khalil Mack. I mean, it's pretty much take your pick. I think both guys are going to get their fair share of wins. But something just tells me that you're going to keep Bosa on the left side. And just like Max Crosby was doing against Storm Norton, when you can have two guys that are that versatile coming off the edge, I see just from the standpoint, if it's Khalil Mack on the right side every time, you already get a better chance that he's going to be winning his matchups more. So, yeah, I'll give the nod to Mack here. Okay. How many Mack Bosa double team sacks will we see this year? I'm going to put, I'm going to put, I'm going to put the over under 
at be realistic, Dan. Let's no, not no, no, be no, 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 obnoxious and in another universe. I'm, I'm talking double team sacks, meaning like they each get half a sack. I'm gonna go over under two and a half. Double team sacks. This is what we're talking about here. Uh, I'll go over. Over. So more. So I'll three say, or more times you're gonna three. see. You're going to see Mac and Bosa meeting at the quarterback. I'll say they get three at least. When's the last time we got to see, like, two bookends be able to, like, go meet the quarterback? Like, we kind of saw it with Melvin Ingram a little bit. But, like, that was kind of a different feel with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Like, Sean Phillips, Sean Merriman. Sean Phillips, Sean Merriman for this team as far as it being that those two type of ends. I, I mean... Again, I know that there's been a lot of dynamic duos in the NFL in general, Dan. But, but this, this is better than all of them. This is better than all of them. It kind of reminded me a little bit of when the Broncos had Demarcus Ware and like a prime Mel, uh, Von Miller, and you yep. have those two guys. So this is kind of what it reminds me of a little bit. Oof, I'm excited. I will say, your team is doing well, Jake. When you've got Chiefs fans in here talking about the Chiefs on a complete Chargers-related podcast. You know how happy they must be to not have Tyree kill? Oh, wait. They're probably pissed. I think they're just fine, Dan. I think no. they're just fine. I think they're upset. I, I think we I, all I know. Think I don't think they're upset at all because they have their quarterback and they're sitting back there. Juju's just fine in their <laughs> offense. Marquez Valdez-Gambling is You're just over fine. here trying to keep a straight face right now. This is great. Nicole Hardman is just fine in their offense. Dan, and look, uh, this is what I will say. Because I, you have to – look, you, you can't you can't be naive about this. You can't – well, let's uh, – hang on a second. You can't be completely naive about this. <laughs> you can't be completely naive about this because they're still at the top of the division, and we still have to – contend with them twice a year and in a much more stacked AFC West this year, it's just flat out bonkers, obviously, but look, as long as they still have 15 behind the helm, much as we say about our own number 10, you can do a lot of different things with a lot of different weapons. So I love that. That's great face. I took, you know what? I took the humble approach. I'm not ready to shit talk yet. I it's not even shit talking. I'm I'll not have, even shit I'll talking. Have, I know. I, I I will I will just save mine for later. I'll just say okay. that. <laughs> well, Danaco Blue Bolt up says Juju's too busy doing TikToks. Yes, he's already done a couple of those already <laughs> thus far. Jackson Bruce, Mahomes he, is probably sitting back, just going like, "Bro, why are you trying to tread in my area? What are you doing?" No, he already moved to L.A. Well, I'm talking about the TikTok <laughs> area. I'm talking about the TikTok area. That's okay. All. all right. Fair. Um, ooh, okay, this is a good question to end on. Um, I think it was Keenan Allen who may have said this. How we, I think after the Tyreek Hill This trade, was the comment that Nick Wright got uh, pissed off about. Yes. So I believe Keenan Allen had mentioned that the Tyreek Hill trade is going to expose some people. Who do you think Keenan Allen was referring to? Who, is, who do you think he was thinking will be exposed? with this trade. The only thing that I could think that he, who he was talking about was Patrick Mahomes. And this is how I related. If you're just talking about Tyree kill exiting the team, if we go back and we think of all the 
magician-like plays that Patrick Mahomes has done throughout his short career thus far. The running around, extending plays, you know, the no-look passes, the heaving in across the field when all math says that you shouldn't do that. Those weren't because Travis Kelsey. Those were because Tyreek Hill. And he just brought an element to that offense that was just so different as it relates to speed and separation and what he was able to do after the catch and what he had with the football. So, yeah, I think that it was a relation to him. Now, do I think that the Chiefs offense is going to suffer without Tyreek Hill? I won't go as far as to say suffer. I'll just say this. I'll say it'll look different because Juju Smith doesn't have the speed and separation ability that Tyreek Hill had. Marcus Vescantling doesn't have that type of element. No Uh, one does. So I just think that the Chiefs offense is going to look different. It wouldn't even surprise me if they became a little bit more committed to running the football, even on top of that. So I just think, I don't think it's going to suffer because you can't, I know as many people would like to harp on the Chiefs right now in the chat room. Realistically, you just can't (laughs) discount them because they're still going to be there and they're still going to be a a force to be reckoned with in this division until the Chargers prove otherwise. So um, you can't overlook that. So suffer, I won't go as far as to say that. Different? Yes. And whatever different means, we'll just have to wait and see. I I think what... What was maybe coming through my thought process was in the past, and I could probably speak for all 31 other teams or all 30 teams other than the Chargers and every other team, but the Chiefs. There were three players on this Chiefs offense that scared me. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. And Tyreek Hill scared me more than Kelsey by a landslide. The Chiefs without Tyreek Hill is a very different team. And I don't think you have that same level of fear for that team. Now, sure, they have other receivers. They've got other playmakers. They've got other guys with speed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So does every team. Okay, let me let me let me try to level the playing field here for a second, Dan. Since since we're going to end on talking about our AFC West opponents, which wide receiver core scares you more? The likes of Marquez Valdez Scanling, Juju Smith-Schuster, and uh, Travis Kelsey, the plethora of wide receivers that the Denver Broncos had have Broncos right now, sure. and Cortland Sorton and uh, Jerry Judy to pair with Russell Wilson, and now KJ with Hamlet. the Raiders going out and getting uh, De- Devontae Adams and pairing him with Hunter Renfro and uh, and Darren Waller. Which one of those receiving cores, quarterbacks aside, which one are you more scared of? Well, I'll tell you right now, I think Chiefs are in the, in the fourth position in the AFC West in terms of receiving core. I'll tell you that right now. Um I would say the one I'm most afraid of, ugh, it might be the Raiders. It might be the Raiders, just because they've got three dudes that are great at catching. They got Darren Waller, they got Hunter Renfro, and they got Devontae Adams. All three of them are legit. Now, like, thankfully, they have a quarterback who I think is the fourth best in the division. But then you look at kind of overall, like the Broncos probably have. 
I mean, we're not talking about the Chargers right now, but I would say the ones I'm scared of most, I'd probably say the Broncos because they have the best blend of great quarterback with great receiving core. Like that receiving core has been a quarterback away from absolutely blowing out teams. But when you have Drew Locke throw, you're not getting them that much. But like Russell Wilson's a damn good quarterback. And throwing to KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, they don't have Noah Fant anymore. He's gone, but still, like that scares me. But I think if we're just talking about sheer talent alone at all three levels, probably it's probably the Raiders three guys, I think. Um, but again, that's why I love what the Chargers have done. Like going out and getting JC Jackson, like I'll put JC Jackson on Devontae Adams all day long. I'll put a Mike Davis or a Zont, comparatively speaking, like separately or together on a Hunter Renfro or Derwin James can go on uh, a Darren Waller. Like we've got guys that can go up against those. So as much as like I, we talk about which one I'm most afraid of, like I'm not afraid of all of them with our talent that we have on our team right now. Like you said, like the secondary that we have right now is very enticing. And you add in a Derwin James, you add in a Khalil Mack, you add in a Sebastian Joseph Day. Like, we haven't seen this in so long. I think that's why so many people are so excited. Um, I don't necessarily think we're at the pinnacle of people getting excited. I think that's going to be coming probably as we get to day minus two or day minus seven and before for the draft. But the Monday before the draft is. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, because I've, I've had to go through it. We, well, we've all had to go through it for all of us that are, are so in love with the draft and so invested in each one of our own particular franchises. The Monday before the draft sucks so much ass because you know it's right there. And you know you just have to wait another 72 hours. And you're just you're chomping at the bit for any type of news that's going to be happening. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And even Thursday morning, man, Thursday morning just sucks, especially if you're working. Because all you want to do is just be glued to your television and just watch NFL Network and just hear any of that last-minute type news before the 5 p.m. initiation of the draft and it kicks off right there. So I'm already up in my feelings, Dan. I've told you this. I'd yeah, love to fast forward to April 28th, and I can't. And I can tell you this. The day after my birthday on April 25th, I just know on that Monday, I'm going to wake up, and it's going to suck. <laughs> For those next 72 hours, that week is going to feel like two months to me. Fair enough. Well, hopefully your birthday week does not suck. And hopefully for your birthday, you get a great gift from the Chargers of a trade down scenario. That'd probably make your entire birthday. Man, that would do trade it. Down. <laughs> if they can uh, trade right. down and then actually make a good selection when they do. There's it's twofold. Okay, now you're now you're just asking for so much. Like what do you expect? Right, you know. <laughs> sure. Sauce Gardner isn't a tall order at all. Who would, no. who would ever think to ask for that? No. Um, all right, Jake, we're rounding this out. We lasted for 20 minutes longer than you than you requested. Uh, and that's okay. We're, we're here we're for the people. some time here. Yes, we have the best weapon at quarterback and offensive line. Sorry, excuse me. Best weapon, quarterback, offensive line combo in the AFC West, according to Ross. Reality check says less. Yes, sir. James Wagner talks about Mac, Bosa, Sebastian, and a lot of penetration to the quarterback. 
reality check is being honest. Not afraid at all. But the Raiders do have some heat. But regardless of who we're talking about, we can all agree that the AFC <laughs> is by far the tougher road. Um, it was Field Gates as- who tweeted it. I think it was after the... I can't remember if it was after the Devontae Adams trade or if it was after the Russell Wilson trade, but he just said every time primetime matchup from weeks one through 16 should just be an AFC West matchup. doesn't even matter. I don't care how you make the schedule. Just make it like that. <laughs> nope. Nope. Pacific beats gives us a question that I think would drive everyone through the roof in excitement. What if Kenneth Murray can turn into the Oklahoma Kenneth Murray? Then- this defense would be off the chain. I will come on here and shut the hell up is what I will do. And I will make a couple apologies. Yep. Yep. All right, Jake. Uh, We have had a crazy packed episode. We've talked about Chargers draft picks. We've talked about who to get at 17. We've talked about free agency. We've talked about the roster cuts. We've talked about some of the free agents that came in. Khalil Mack, Gerald Everett, Sebastian Joseph Day. We've talked about Austin. We talked about JC Jackson. Like there's a, a bunch of things we talked about all of which have been centered around all things Q&A from you, the people. Thank you, guys. I know it's been a few since we've been on here. Both of us have been out of office, let's call it, for a few weeks here, celebrating and doing things that are important in our lives. But we are back. NFL Draft is three weeks away. Jake, anything else we want to tell the good people? Before we head out of here, we got a packed week coming back. Like Dan said, we're trying to make up for lost time. As he mentioned, we have uh, a draft analyst that is coming on this week that uh, we're very excited about. We're going to be picking his brain every which way we can as it relates to Chargers possibilities, especially with the news today. Things have changed a lot since we've had a draft analyst on this show, especially with free agency that has come and gone. Uh, we're going to be doing our positional breakdowns later on this week. We'll be targeting the offensive line. I know we still have a lot of those to do. If you haven't seen any of our previously uh, our previous positional breakdowns with the other position that we've done with defensive linemen, wide receiver, cornerback, go on and check those out. Um, but Dan and I will be continuing that that week or t- that this week <laughs> as it relates to the offensive line and. We're excited about that one because that's a very interesting class to delve into. Yes. Uh, for Jake Hefner, you can find him at Jake D. Hefner. Myself at Chargers Homer. Again, we're at LAC underscore Unleashed on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You know it. Uh, Jake, there was a question here that came in. Is it possible that you guys will do a live stream for the draft? What say you? What I do know is that the plans that we do have now is that, and hopefully we should be able to do this live, but I believe our target time would be around that noon, 1 p.m. spot, just before the draft kicks off. Because if you guys are anything like Dan and I, we're just glued to the television. and We ain't leaving! You know, all it would be if we were in a camera like this and watching the television, it it would just be a bunch of gibberish that would come out and probably a bunch of expletives and not really that good of content. But our plan is, is that hours before the draft, hopefully on uh, noon or one o'clock around that time, we will go live with a show myself, Dan, and I believe we're scheduled to have our own very own Ryan DeRude from the LA football network to come on and join us. So uh, draft party will definitely be going up on Thursday afternoon. And hopefully we'll be coming to you guys that day with a live show. Cool. Jake, I'm so glad we got to do this again. It's been a minute, man. I miss you. I miss seeing you live on StreamYard. 
Miss this, person, but talking it, all things Chargers. Like riding a bike, man. It's like riding <laughs> a bike, and I thoroughly enjoyed it today. Well, thank you to everyone who has been here enjoying us all. We've all ridden this bike together. Uh, we've only fallen off the rails a few times, took out the training wheels, and we're kicking those things off on Wednesday when we have a special guest episode. Uh, until then, go ahead and check us out. Like, subscribe, uh, leave the bell notifications on, hit the reviews, you name it, you know what to do. Thank you guys so much for joining us on Chargers Unleashed. We'll talk to you next time as we talk about all things NFL draft with an expert. Until then, talk soon. Have a great afternoon, good evening, and good night, my friends. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Seriously, who's blowing up my phone? Oh, yeah. Powerball. Big news. Powerball now draws three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim.